Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with comedian Reese James and we have a lovely chat. We chat landfill indie, we chat new metal, uh, we chat lots of um, amusing stories uh, that happened on MSN and school. And, uh, and yeah, you're in for a treat. Um, before we get on with it, uh, just a huge thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track uh, and you enjoy this and you would like to listen to more, then um, why not have a look in the, the back catalogue? Because if you're a fan of um, listening to comedians talking records and, and life stories, then I can tell you in the back catalogue I have episodes with Ed Gamble, James Acaster, uh, Jade Adams, Pierre Novelli, oh gosh, Rich Wilson, oh, there's lots more as well, I can't think of them all, um, Jen Brister, uh, and, and then also you can, you know, listen to podcasts from musical acts as diverse as the Deftones through to Mel C of the Spice Girls through to James Lavelle to, oh gosh, and yeah, and actors such as Maxine P, Commander Abington, there's uh, a whole world of, um, really interesting creative people that I've been blessed to have the time to chat uh, to about their journey. So why not go and explore that and, uh, and better still subscribe. And if that's not enough, I also have a Patreon page where I upload four radio shows, an exclusive episode as well each week um, over there. So if you want to have a look at that and, and, uh, and support the podcast there, that's much appreciated. Um, you can find out about all things to do with this at www.offthebeatandtrack.com podcast.com right back to business please enjoy off the beat and track podcast with reese james it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with it okay we are recording sitting opposite me today via the means of zoom he's reese james hello hello how are you I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you. Um, before we get on talking records, um, I mean, it's impossible to ask people how they are now without asking, you know, a, a bigger version of that question, which is like, you know, how have you found the last six months? Because not, not just, well, first as a human and then secondly, um, as a creative, as a comedian. Uh, to begin with, absolutely loving it. It was the best, mainly because I was in the middle of a tour um, actually just coming towards the end of a section of a tour 
and I was knackered and the shows were starting to get a bit more stressful because it was just starting to get to the point where it doesn't matter how many people have bought tickets, you still don't know how many people are going to be there as people start to avoid public events. The, over, the, ah, the especially right. cautious people, even before we got into lockdown, were like, ah, I can't do that. So quite often you'd get to like, you know, you'd be expecting this many people and half of them are there and you're just like, and it's just, I don't mind if I know. But when you walk out and it's not what you expected is when it was worse. So I started to find that really stressful. And then people were just a bit edgy anyway, the people who were in the audience. It wasn't like, and then the ones who were there are really up for it. It's like, no, 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 you need to reference it comedically. And if you do, everyone gets really uncomfortable anyway, because they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be here. But if you don't, they're like, is he not going to talk about the global pandemic? (laughs) Anyway, so when that was like nipped in the bud, I was disappointed, obviously. But then the next couple of weeks, I was like, okay, I can relax a little bit. And also creatively, as you asked, I was smashing it. It was just like, because I was still in the mode of working as much as I was working before this, I was just sort of relentlessly motivated and coming up with ideas and writing stuff and making stuff, making loads of things for online or just like having pitches and like coming up with ideas for stuff. Oh, we could do this. Oh, finally, I've got time to write this script and all that sort of stuff. And then pretty quickly... That went out of the fucking window big time. <laughs> and now we're in a position where I basically do nothing except play poker, play tennis and do occasional podcasts. <laughs> so motivation wise, yeah, it's just like. So whenever like yeah, someone's like, oh, can you write this? I'm like, what? That'll, that'll, that'll take me a year. What do you mean? And it would just be a simple, just a blurb for this. Yeah. So, yeah, that, we're definitely at that stage now. I've just started to do some live stuff again. I was going to ask that, like, well, what sort of stuff have you been doing? So there's been a few, fest- I haven't done any drive-in gigs. Right. Because um, I, I, not... um, I was chatting to Pierre Novelli the other day. Yeah. And, uh, and he said he'd done one and instead of clapping, they, they toot their horn. Well, I mean, I was always told that if someone beeps at you, it's negative. And right. now we're going out <laughs> and we're hoping we get enough beeps. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I refuse to do comedy for cars. Um, there's a, I won't even do comedy for kids, let alone cars. I mean, come on. If I won't do it for kids, then I do it for cars. What was that really saying about? Anyway, uh, I, I'm not doing comedy for cars. I haven't done any of that. But I, um, some gigs like festivaly things like outdoors where you're on a big stage or whatever. Greenwich Comedy Festival was a great festival yeah. every year. And this year they had to adapt it a bit and have everyone outside. And it was great fun. Did that. It was really good. And then a couple of indoor ones that are like socially distanced inside and stuff that are like selling at maybe a third capacity. Yeah. Um, done a couple of those. And they felt great. I mean, there's been a couple I've had to do where the audience have to wear masks. And actually, you know what? They really overcompensate for that fact. They all think they can't, they're not going to be heard. So they laugh way louder and almost sarcastically. <laughs> so they always like make sure to ha, 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 rather than just the normal ha, ha like that they're really going for it because they're thinking oh he can't see me smiling i need to yeah <laughs> um so they've been good fun but i mean you know there's not there's only so many of them and also yeah. i have noticed the quality of lineups at small venues has increased dramatically as every comedian in the country is suddenly available and desperate yeah. to be vindicated so like some pretty there's some big names at some of these gigs mm. that turn up because they're just like fuck it what else am i doing yeah yeah totally um Okay, well, well, let's let's chat records. Um, Reese for track one. What's the song with the greatest ever intro? Now I don't know if do people come on with one definite answer for all of this, or do right. they often say a few? Right. I mean, so, I can pick one, but can I riff on a few first? Right. So how it works, right, is you can pick your definitive one, 
Mm. And you can have some honourable mentions that didn't quite make it. Okay, okay. So, uh, objectively, and this isn't my answer, objectively, the greatest intro to any song ever is Limp Biscuit. Take a look around. The intro, <laughs> that intro is so exciting and comes and existed at an age that was so significant for me to hear an intro. <laughs> I would have been 13, less, probably less, when I heard that and was like, what? This is what music can be like. It was like, a, it's like a thriller movie in a song, that right. intro. It's like, oh my, it's like a heist is happening in that intro. And um, when I was about uh, 13, no, 12, I used to go to this um, amateur, no, I must be younger than that, I must be like nine. This is when I was nine. I used to go to this amateur dramatics uh, group in Luton, England. And we did Oliver Twist. I was Oliver, thanks for asking. And uh, not the musical. It was originally the musical. And then I sang and they said, let's just do it as a play. Genuinely. And then uh, my best mate, Sam Brennan, um, <laughs> who will come up a few times in this podcast, I think. He, uh, I remember he, we were in drama together. Everyone else was older than us. We were like these two like 10-year-olds or whatever in drama. And then he came in one day late to this drama group and they came over to me and went, I finally got it. I finally got it. And I was like, well, finally got what? And he went chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water now i hadn't heard what limp biscuits album title was yet so yep. someone saying that to you you're like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> are you having a stroke i mean that those words don't make sense together yeah and also we'd never had a conversation about limp biscuit in the past so even if i did know that album title it's still a mental thing to finally got it the limp biscuit album what are you talking about we're, we're not limp biscuit fans um we were but just not together so then he yeah. said that so then I went and bought that I, like immediately because he had it. And then Take a Look Around was on there with that intro, oh, which is just so exciting and so cool. And it had quite a cool video, I think. Um, so that's good. Also, more recently, not recently, but more recently, the intro to um, Please Forgive Me by David Gray mm -hmm. is so fucking cool. Every time I play it, it really gives me goosebumps. Mate. It's so quick, but it's just these really quick drums. And then that piano comes in. Oh, I love it so much. But objectively, I'm going for my best intro is Trust Me by The Streets. Oh, um, right. Nice. Which is like, it comes in with this really dramatic, like, bam, bam, bam. But then the bit after that is so funky. Mm. And I tried to use that. Comedians think about intros a lot. Usually in July, they spend a lot of time thinking about intros to songs. Because in August, they're going to Edinburgh and they need some walk-on music. Yeah. And as comedians, you spend more time thinking about what's my pre-show music, what's my walk-on music. More time than you think about, you know, what's my, what's yeah. the middle 20 minutes of my show. <laughs> You're just going like, no, no, because they need to be up for it at the start. It doesn't matter if I'm not funny in the middle. Um, is I mean, obviously, you then panic and go, fuck, it does matter, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. There's only so much goodwill you can get from the streets. It doesn't carry you through an hour. But that song I used as an intro to one of my shows. And then when I was lucky enough to be asked to do Live at the Apollo, you get asked what you want your walk-on music to be on Live at the Apollo. And I was adamant, well, it has to be that. It's the funkiest. It makes you feel so cool listening to that song. Yeah. I was like, it has to be that because I'm going to feel amazing walking on. And then they couldn't clear it. So, oh, no um, way. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, well, I was gutted. I was like, ugh. And then I was going to do a funny one. I was going to have I Can't Read You by Daniel Beddingfield instead um, because I, it's, it's great and it's upbeat, the chorus, but I just thought it was funny. And in the end, I just went a bit more conservative and went for, I think, Dinosaur by the Maccabees, which is also a great intro and builds a in a really good way. Wonderful intro. Yeah, it builds in a really cool way. I think that was the intro 
well, the walk-on music to my debut Edinburgh show as well. The first time I did an hour, it was Dinosaur. Um, but I really wanted Trust Me by the Streets. So I think it's the I think it's my favourite intro of all intros. Okay, right. That one's going on the uh, on the playlist. Then. Yeah, pop that one on. Track two, Reese. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Okay, this is maybe the most basic answer to this question you've you've ever had, <laughs> but. It was Stop Crying Your Heart Out by Oasis. Okay. Uh, which is like, I mean, it might as well be called My First Emotional Song by Oasis. Yeah. Um, but the, basically, the picture is this. I'm in year seven. It's towards Christmas time. Um, my best friend is called David James, like the England goalkeeper. Um, the girl I love in my form is called Sarah Kelly. Did she love you? No, she loved David James. Ah, oh, so man. This is where the complications arise. Now... <laughs> I fancied Sarah and I think she knew that. I think I told her and maybe even asked her out. Um, and she said no. And then David James, who I don't believe had expressed an interest in her yet, was suddenly going out with her. I was at home, downloaded some um, music illegally on WinMX and then on Winamp. Um, I listened to it. It was Stop Crying Your High Out by Oasis. Uh, it made me very sad. And it's the first time I remember feeling sad from music. And I think I changed my MSN screen name to be something like um, all of the stars have faded away. (laughs) 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 And then Sarah Kelly would come online. I would go offline, then online, then offline, then online loads of times. So she would notice and then hopefully go, are you okay?" And then I could be like, no, and then send a sad emoji or something. Um, But I remember even saying to someone on MSN, God, I'm listening to this song by Oasis called Stop Crying Your Heart Out. It's just making me so sad. And the person was like, yeah, yeah, we're in your seven, man. Let's chill out. <laughs> but um, that's the main one. And then the other one is there's a song by Robbie Williams um, called, it, it's either called or it goes, you're one of God's better people and you don't know. That's why you're special. <laughs> and <Right. laughs> I remember we used to listen to Robbie Williams in the car so much. And it's the first time it was a sad song that I remember my dad being like, he just loved that song so much. But normally the songs that your dad says he loves are like, either like rock and roll uh, or like the Pulp Fiction soundtrack or um, Chuck Berry or something like that. Yeah. Or in my case, it was that. And then like a lot of Monty Python songs were played in the car. Yeah. But then this sad Robbie Williams song that was really slow, he suddenly just like loved it. And it was the first time I, I remember that affecting me in a certain way of like, oh, right. My dad is saying that he really loves this song that isn't just a bloke going rock on. Yeah. So <laughs> this means this clearly means something. I don't think I was old enough to process exactly what that was. But as an adult, I've now sort of looked back on that and gone, oh, right. OK, that was a slightly vulnerable moment. So it isn't insignificant. But the one that definitely affected me directly is Stop Crying Your Heart Out by Oasis because of Sarah Kelly. If you hear that now, does it take you back to that? Um, I, to be honest, a little bit. Yeah. So I listened to it yesterday and only because I don't think I've listened to it since. Yeah, it doesn't really come up that much. There's like there's there's Oasis songs are used in loads of stuff, like loads Mm. of TV shows and stuff all the time. But if they're trying to do an emotional moment, they use Champagne Supernova. Yeah, or Don't Look Back in Anger. They don't really tend to use Stop Crying Your Heart Out because I think because it's too on the nose. It's called Stop Crying Your Heart Out. So if someone's sad in a show, you can't play that. (laughs) You might as well play All by Myself. You know, it's ridiculous. (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's a great song. It is a great song. Yeah. Um, 
and I did listen to it yesterday and it's like all I could picture was being in that room of my house where the computer with the big desktop computer was being on MSN and just being sad on my own which was a lot of my childhood to be honest but that specific week definitely fuck David James right exactly and yeah yeah the one I went to school with and the England goalkeeper (laughs) which is the same person by the way I'm much older than I look Well, look, we're talking school, so for track three, race, the song that reminds you of your time at school. So many. There's so many this could be, obviously. I'm sure everyone always says there's loads. So this is school. I definitely remember Eminem being a big deal when I was at school. Eminem was absolutely peaking when I was at school, and it was so exciting when you are a teenager. It's that Eminem, secondary school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, a mix, actually. So a lot of his comedy years were secondary school. When he was starting to be a bit like, just lose it and stuff like that. When he was like, there's a fart noise in a song. And everyone was like, oh my God, but it's in the charts. Um, And when you're, you know, 13, that is so funny and exciting. But also before that, I think that he had like Stan and stuff like that. um, That were like, what? I've never heard songwriting like this. The video is really dark. Um, And well, the song's really dark. And it was just like, those things were so exciting. A lot of people were obsessed with Eminem. Also, any album when you're at school that has parental advisory explicit yeah. content on it you're so excited by um but the main one so the main important era that actually affected me is the landfill indie era oh, I was okay a, I, was I a, thought you was gonna say new metal oh really well that well come on to the next question but um <laughs> okay landfill indie was like exactly at the i mean i the cross-section of me being in those teenage years where you're so affected by music and that's where you're discovering everything for the first time and Landfill Indie are exactly the same era. Okay. So the song that just like when we were kids and we, we would like be teenagers first going to parties and stuff like that, all the songs that were on were just like Landfill Indie. We only listened to Landfill Indie and everyone's ringtone. I remember my mate Tom Baker for maybe six years. He used to get mocked because his ringtone was now out of date. Right, that's the sort of <laughs> fucking hell. Being a child is mental, isn't it? Oh, your ringtone's well old. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean ringtone, even ringtone. His ringtone was "She Moves in Her Own Way" by the Kooks. Okay. But the song that when I listened to the Kooks album to try and go, which Kooks song is this? Ooh la by the Kooks is yeah. the one that immediately I'm, my heart was racing. I was anxious because I'm at a party and the girl I fancy is over there and I don't know how to speak to her. Ooh, like, it was just like, that's it. And so that was an era where as well, I went to, there's three schools in my town um, and they're all quite connected. They were all, it was a weird thing where it was quite a small town and all these schools are rivals, but then also kind of mates. So if you're one, I was one of the people who bridged that gap. I was one of the first people in my school year who went, no, I'm going to go to that school's parties. And that's because I fancied a girl from that school. Yeah. But then I went to that school. And that school, the other school, was way more of like a landfill indie school. Than, it was like a bit more like, you know, hair down over your forehead, yeah. like dressing in a bit more top man type stuff. My school had a slight more um, Adidas and Nike TN caps to yeah. it. Um, there was a bit more of that kind of football edge to my school, whereas this other school was like the indie school. And that's where I felt I fit in more. So I went to all those parties all the time and hung out with all these people. And like, that's how I discovered all the, you know, all the landfill indie that wasn't the kooks, which were like the main band. It wasn't just Razor Light. There was like all the slightly more interesting stuff. But that song is just like reminds me of summers at those, that school's parties. And then kind of bringing that stuff back to my group of mates at my school and everyone being like, God, yeah, this is, this is great. 
and just feel I just felt nervous as soon as I heard it I mean I've not had that for years I just suddenly was like oh god but it but excited and it felt it feels sunny and you know I've got an old Nokia phone in my hand I'm walking into town with my friends I'm chucking stones at the street signs <laughs> I've got a football I'm just throwing a tennis ball around to myself <laughs> it was great <laughs> I, I think that's the, the the best record the Kooks have made as well. It's amazing, amazing song. Yeah, they it definitely is. Yeah, there's naive was their big one, wasn't it? That was their big track. That and she and moves. Then, yeah, and yeah, and she moves in her own way. And but ooh la, I like sofa song as well actually. But yeah, um, that, I think that was a single as well. Was it? Yeah, yeah. They, those are the best ones. It's that that first album was really good for that mm. era, and they kind of did break like. They were definitely one of the biggest of the landfill indie crew, well, it was, right? That was the that was the kind of the the, the era of the K's because it was the, the Killers, mm. the Kaisers, Kasabian. It was yeah, like yeah, all yeah, of yeah. these bands that seemed to just <laughs> be K based. Um, but yeah, there was like I mean, it was a good time for indie. Like I, I think you know, you mentioned the Maccabees earlier. They were cutting their teeth at this point, putting out yeah, you know, their, their, yeah. I was a big fan stuff. of theirs. Also, so the town I was in, so well, it's obviously probably not the town I was in, but the age I was at, um, loads of bands were popping up from like people my age and a little bit older who were doing this type of music. So there was low, and they like um, quite enterprising young people uh, in that town. So they would put on like little festival in our local park was just run by like a 15 year old. He would just like go, I've just booked this massive like marquee for a stage and then we've hired the park and then we're going to put on a festival, all these local bands. And they were getting some traction as well, some of these things. They were getting quite a lot of heat and they were, like people were getting signed. I think that was a time where anyone who sounded a bit like the Kooks was just getting signed. Yeah. Um, but the the town I was in was close enough to London without being in London that everyone felt like so where was we could make town? it here. It was in uh, Harpenden in Hertfordshire. Okay. So it's literally like 20 minutes from King's Cross. So everyone yeah. always feels like you know i've got access to the the big smoke if i want to suddenly make it as a musician and people would go in and watch gigs all the time so they'd be inspired enough and then there'd be loads of gigs on in various little town halls and stuff in harpenden and all sorts of venues and then some of these bands would be like oh hang on we got a gig in st albans and that would be a big deal and then like gradually it's like we've got a gig in london and then you go in west Hampstead, and then you'd go to that just like just getting a little bit further down the thames link line and it would just be so exciting watching these bands come up and release EPs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so, and they all sounded like the Kooks, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, how was school? Yeah, it was, it was mixed, I think. It was like, it, it definitely wasn't um, actually difficult. So I was, in, I was in the group, the main group, uh, that I, I now know everyone hates. But the, the the group that I ironically called the popular group at school, yeah. which is just a group that exists and everyone universally it's it's the least popular group. Yeah, all the other groups are basically anonymous. I it's always the case in it's it's only the popular people that like being in the popular group. The rest of everybody else hates yeah. them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all it sort of comes from yeah. It's like it it is basically just who plays football at lunchtime. And then who are the girls that watch them play football at lunchtime? Um, <laughs> and I was not a talented footballer, but I was um, just good enough that it was completely, I was an anonymous, anonymous on the pitch. And so I would make no effort, but I would walk around cracking wise, essentially, to um, defenders. <laughs> so 
and I was like, I was really small. Um, and I would just, yeah, I was just like kind of this like small sidekick guy who was just like around, just like kind of trying to be funny all the time and being a bit sarcastic. And, uh, I was always really creative. So just like, I, you know, had something to say rather than a lot of people who were just like, did essentially did their talking on the pitch. Yeah. Um, I was very much like, I literally did my talking on the pitch, <laughs> <laughs> but I, de- I definitely like, what's weird is I look back on it going, I think I like that. And I think I got away with that and did quite well. Yeah. Um, socially and like a- academically I was fine. Um, but I, I would try and get out of going to school every day. There was one year where I missed 45 days of school, which is a term, a full term. Um, my attendance said minus 45 and my parents were like, what, how has that happened? And I was like, yeah, because I would just always be like, oh, I'm ill and not want to go. So I did dread it. I don't know. I did. I clearly dreaded going. But it was one of those things where when I got there, I was like, oh, this is actually fine. Mm. But I think it's because I was I was sort of blagging it so much in that I was never until sixth form. I wasn't really myself. I was copying a lot of people um, desperately trying to be like there was a couple of people that I sort of like put myself next to. And I was just desperately trying to was just saying things I thought they wanted to hear um just going oh he always says stuff like that so i'll also say stuff like that uh and i'll just be like him or whatever because he's I think like that's common though race yeah that's really common of course but i Most think that's what made find me... their way don't they in the sixth form exactly yeah yeah but that's what made me dread it although part of me thinks no no no. in sixth form i just changed my influences and they were just a bit more <laughs> they were just a bit nicer <laughs> they just weren't mean they were just a bit more like no, no no you can just be really creative and cool and then i was like oh i'll just be like you then and then so I copied them. But I, I think the reason I dreaded it is because it was like, much as when I get there, this is fine. I sort of knew, oh, but I'm just acting the whole time and this is all bollocks. So, yeah, I know that's a common experience. But I think I felt like I got away with it. I definitely dreaded it. And every time I was there, I was like, this is not a problem. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You said you was a a creative kid. Um was that side of of you sort of encouraged at school? Um, not early. Uh, it was definitely encouraged by my parents. 100%. Really encouraged. My parents are quite creative. Um, and, and both my parents don't do anything particular. Don't do creative, directly creative jobs. 
and maybe wish they did. So they definitely encouraged it and sort of tried to nurture that a little bit. But and would just be like, let me do whatever I wanted and be like, great. And also they weren't always like, this is brilliant if I did something shit. Yeah. They would be like, yeah. <laughs> so I sort of knew that praise from them was legitimate. I mean, um, we should fine-tune the creative a little bit. So, I mean, you, you did touch on sort of drama school earlier, like a drama class sure. and things like that. So, so what was it, the, the creative stuff that you was trying to sort of excel in? Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? Was it I wanted to be... I wanted to be a comedian for ages. So for, oh, really? I was quite young when I wanted to be a comedian, yeah. But also, yeah, acting. I did a lot of acting. But then I, I did everything. And then I would just... I, before I did stand-up, it was just me trying everything and going, no, not that. So I'd like, I used to do loads of drawing all the time and like do loads of art. And I was fine, but I wasn't great. So I sort of stopped that. And then you like, it was one of those things, art, where it was like I would do some stuff and think, oh, that's good. That's inventive. And then I would see someone else my age do some art who is good at art and be like, oh, right, not that then. Because yeah. you're actually good. Whereas with acting, when I was doing drama at school, I was like pretty confident that I, when, when I'd see other people my age act, I was like, oh, I'm fine here. This is all right. Um, so I did that a lot. I used to write lyrics for my friends who were in bands. I used to write loads of poems all the time. Uh, just, I just, I've got such a backlog of teenage poetry some of which isn't awful. A lot of it is awful. But I do this other. I do this podcast called Early Work, where people come on and read out their creative writing when they're younger, and I always read something. And uh, I always read my teenage poems, going, "This is oh, I'm so embarrassed." And guests are always like, "Fuck you! You made me read something shit, and this is really good." <laughs> um, and I think it's just because they rhyme really well. I was really good at rhyming. Um, nothing I wrote had any substance or made any sense, but I was excellent at rhyming. So maybe I could have written for Oasis. I was because, just about to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't, Noel Gallagher has literally said our lyrics mean nothing. Mm. I'm not just, I'm not going for the king. Yeah. <laughs> he has said it himself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, so I did that. I was always poems, um, lyrics, drawing, just all sorts of stuff. I would just like, I would, I would be the sort of kid who would be like, at the weekend, I'd be like, come round mine and we'll come up with a bunch of sketches and like, we'll come up with a sitcom idea when we were like 14. Yeah. And one of my mates who was, it was just like with a mate who's funny. And then they'd come around and be like, no, no, no. The thing about being funny is it's not work. <laughs> You're just being funny for a laugh. And now we're coming up with a sitcom. It's boring. And I, and I so they, we'd do that for 10 minutes and they'd be like, can we go out and play football? So I was always doing stuff like that. So um, the, the fact that you was doing all of this, like, and, and you said, you know, you was quite you know sort of quietly confident in in that what about drive Did, you know it sounds like you was pretty driven i think um it was all on my own terms in such a in this sort of way it is now but like and i think if you my parents would definitely say no 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 so lazy uh just had just couldn't do anything so i used to get in trouble at school in for like until sixth form i was getting in loads of trouble for just um throwing away potential to get all a's and just like doing mock exams and getting all C's just because I couldn't be asked. And I would always go, it's the not the, re I will do it on the day. I'm just can't be bothered to do it now. And that did, that did happen. I mean, I didn't get all A's, but it was like, come on. I knew I was going to pull it out of the bag. I just like, why am I wasting my time? But I used to get in loads of trouble for that. And I, I used to be so late, like just so unwilling to do stuff. I, I think what it was, yeah, maybe it was that. Maybe it was anything that I was told I have to do. I was too lazy to do. But when it came to, you can now be creative. 
I would just be like, yeah, cool, right, I'm going to write all these poems and I'll come up with all these ideas. And I really like, if ever I had a little burst of inspiration from listening to or watching anything, I would follow it through. I wouldn't let it disappear. So, yeah, even as a kid, I did that. And luckily, I grew up with a laptop. So I have all those things still and can monetize them in podcast form, which is very handy. What's the first record you bought, Reese? First single I ever bought was You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. Ah, one of the greatest pop records ever made. Amazing song with a great intro, by the way. Yes. Um, Amazing intro. And the first album I ever bought, coming back to your earlier guess, was um, Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Nice. Oh, what an album. Good God. I was obsessed with Linkin Park. Absolutely obsessed with Linkin Park. And it's okay. So this will tie up a few things in one, actually. Okay. So... The main boy that I was copying throughout school was called <laughs> Luke Abraham. And I was trying to right. be like him loads. His email address was limpbiscuitfan01 at hotmail.com. Solid um, email address. Send, send him an email. <laughs> 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 my, email <laughs> my email address was um, littlelegend underscore at hotmail.com. Because okay. um, as I said before, I was very small. And famously, yep. I'm a legend. Yep. Uh, and then... Exactly. And as I got more into Linkin Park, and I was a huge Linkin Park fan, I sort of combined him being my influence with my fandom of Linkin Park and my um, habit of changing my email address every 10 days. And I created the email address rjlinkinpark at hotmail.com. It was so transparent that people did just say, why have you just copied Luke's email address? And I had to go and change it back, (laughs) change to something else. (laughs) But there you go. That ties up. Limp Biscuit, Linkin Park, and me copying Luke all into one, plus the Hotmail generation. Wonderful, <laughs> yeah. wonderful. I feel like I've had an education on so many things today as well, Reese. Like I'm, I'm like well old, and so like hearing that and hearing like the the MSN kind of stuff, like that that was like I I was too old for that. So it was like it's big it's quite part a nice of little, uh, big part of my teenage years, or even and even younger was just MSN. Just but I was yeah, just a, a an adolescent spent online, and weirdly not in a filthy way <laughs> just chatting and being sad on the internet and like forums just like constantly and like playing like these online games and like yeah. being on forums and stuff i used to play this game called project rockstar which was uh this you'd like i mean i meant it's quite appropriate for this podcast you you sort of manage bands okay um, and they like it, it's kind of almost in real time so you they're like releasing a single and then like you wake up the next day and see how it's charted and i can't even remember how you would make it chart higher i don't know maybe you had to buy promo and stuff like that Sounds but it was great it was sort of random yeah yeah it's sort of randomly algorithmically like chart really well and then you get loads of money and then you can use that money to sign more bands and then like then they started adding in elements of so there was forums the main reason i played it is you play it it's really fun but there was all these forums and there was this big community on there and it was a laugh everyone was great and everyone was like just being really funny on these forums so i would just get involved in that and just chat with people on that all the time um, and I was obsessed with becoming an admin, but I never got so lucky, but you used to get, so basically you used to get star points, right? So if you did a funny post or like something really useful on the forum, they would give you star points, the admins. And that essentially is like retweets. Like it's the same dopamine rush you get from retweets. It's like literally yeah. just, it's like likes on Instagram. It's just acknowledging this mm. was good. And the more star points you got, the more stars you got next to your name and the more stars you got next to your name things were unlocked for you that you could now do. If you had a certain amount of stars, you could give star points. 
Um, and I be- and if you're an admin, you can do everything. So I became obsessed with becoming an admin to the extent that I told them. I noticed that someone became an admin because they translated the website into um, Italian. Decent. So I said, I speak Greek. <laughs> I'm 13 or something at this point. <laughs> They're like, can you translate the website into Greek then? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking they'll make me an admin. And they said, okay, well, just to test if it will work, can you translate this page into Greek? And so I sent them back a translation of it into Greek. And they said, okay, you can't speak Greek. And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, we can tell that you've just put this through free translation software. I said, how can you tell? And they're like, well, first of all, I mean, it's written insanely. And secondly, it was like, that was like three pages worth. And you sent it back in like one minute. (laughs) 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 I was like, oh yeah, fair enough. Um, So... I used to play that game, yeah. And so, like, I was on those forums all the time, hanging out, trying to manage those bands. They added this thing where you would design album covers. So I'm loving this. Yeah, it was great. So you would, like... And you could go on the forums and say, I'll give you this many dollars of, like, my fictional dollars if you design me this album cover. And then if your album cover gets, like, upvoted enough times, it will sell you more records. So you'll chart higher and all that sort of stuff. And I used to be quite good on Photoshop at that age. So I would design loads of album covers for people all the time um, and get loads of like cash on the game from that and then put it into bands and stuff it was it was really fun it doesn't exist anymore unfortunately but still but it was an admin no i'd never got to be an admin that's what this is all about that's what this my whole life since then has all been about trying to be an admin <laughs> track five race the song that soundtracked your years clubbing i mean you're a young man you must still go clubbing well, I don't know if I ever really went clubbing. Well, clubbing um, can be indie clubbing. It doesn't have to be sure. any high street clubbing. It can be, you know, a little sweaty indie club. The thing that, the, the memories that come back from that the most are the sort of end of sixth form lads holidays that we would go. Well, actually, what happened where I was from is the, full, the whole town would go to Kavos or Malia. So it would be like all the groups from all the three schools are just suddenly just taken over the strip in Kavos is just um, a bunch of 17 year olds from Harpenden. So we might as well have stayed there. It was ridiculous. But what happened in those things is so Kavos is the main one. We're all in this hotel, me and sort of like loads of my lad mates. And as I say, it's all from a lot of different backgrounds, certainly music tastes. So there's a lot of rap fans, a lot of like very standard chart music fans. And then like some indie kids there, but what was weird is that we all would like meet up in one person's room in this hotel before we would go out. And the thing that we would listen to that all my lab notes would sing along at the top of their lungs to and suddenly brought everyone together that everyone would, it just reminds me of just getting up for it for a night out and just being absolutely buzzing was Panic at the Disco. <laughs> it was such a random choice, but everyone was just like singing along to I Write Sins, Not Tragedies. Yeah. Just that I mean, everyone suddenly just becomes a fucking Broadway star, just going, oh, well, imagine. And just like everyone's doing it top of their lungs. So it's like a group of lads. And these are all like football lads, but we're all suddenly singing this and doing it in that voice. Um, and everyone would just scream at the top of their lungs. So that reminds me of just being like, yes, I'm so pumped up. I'm ready to go out and hit the Cavos strip or whatever. And they just yeah. be in like various clubs and just on the street and all that sort of stuff. And there's only one other song that comes close. And that is... Um, we got really into Duran Duran uh, during that time. And the song that ev- like maybe four of us out of 12 of us got really into Duran Duran, but the song that everyone would do the same thing as they did with Panic! The Disco was Girls on Film. Oh, People would just get so up for it, just listening to Girls on Film. 
Um, especially well, the intro to that song as well, with mm. the cameras clicking and everyone was just dancing to that and just so excited. But Panic at the Disco is the main one that makes me go, fucking hell, we're going, we're, we're getting in that taxi, we're going down right, any second now to the strip. And those that was the best moment of the night always. You'd then yeah. get on the cavalry strip and it'd be fine. They had an indie club called The Rolling Stone, which was just an indie club. And I would basically just go there with like one other person all the time. Everyone else would just go to these massive, sweaty, four-story, yeah. like dance, like uh, house music clubs. And I thought, oh God, I don't want anything to do with that. I would just be in the indie club requesting the kooks. <laughs> <laughs> Could you put on Panic at the Disco, please? Uh, yeah, stuff like that. But that's the one. The Panic at the Disco, I write Sins Not Tragedies. Well, oh, buzzing. I, 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 Absolutely I buzzing. I can definitely like, draw comparisons between like panic and duran duran it's all it's very mm. similar kind of dramatic really kind of solid guitar pop you know there's loads i mean panic at disco is laced in in drama and and color and yeah. and, and 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 brilliant pop hooks and storytelling as well it's yeah. like it's, it's, yeah there's there's definitely this west end element to it definitely it's like that song definitely yeah yeah, there's a few Panic songs like that, but that one, and some Duran Duran songs as well. It's mm. definitely like a, it wouldn't be that weird if this was in a musical. Yeah, yeah. Do you know <laughs> what though, Reese? It's like, I, I, I run a, uh, an indie venue and have done for, for, for nearly 30 years now. And um, it's really weird because I'll, I'll play Panic still, that track uh, essentially. And it still sounds really fresh. And 18-year-old kids that are coming to my club for the first time still lose their shit to yeah. that record. Like, I'm and glad, think, okay. Because that's probably, what, 15 years old now? Must be, yeah, yeah. Like, and and it still has exactly the same. As soon as you hear that, dun, 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 everyone's yeah. oh, just like, oh. wow, straight on the dance floor. It's so catchy. It's so, And it's so much more catchy than people think it is because mm. it sounds like niche music. You, yeah. you think of it as like, hang on, they're doing this weird story about this wedding. Yeah. And it's like these emo, this like emo band who look weird. And he's singing in this really off Broadway voice. And then you go, no, no, it is a banger. It yeah. just doesn't seem like it could be, but it is. Yeah. And actually the stuff they've, there's loads of stuff they've released since that going back on their Spotify, I didn't know was them. Yeah. That is just such massive chart topping, like huge hits. They've just I was become like, a massively produced pop band really now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, oh my God, is that Panic at the Day? I had no idea. They're still yeah. doing it. They're still making these massive, massive songs. Yeah. Um, my friend, Sam Brennan, who I mentioned earlier, um, was working, I don't know if I should say this actually, was working with Sam Preston um, and they were pitching a song to Panic at the Disco. Mm-hmm. And they were like, they, they just, he just had a, he's a producer now, Sam. Yeah. And um, he was in loads of bands growing up. And he Your mate Sam song. or Samuel Preston? My, my mate Sam. Right. Samuel Preston may also have been in loads of bands growing up. Right. But um, my mate Sam, who's in loads of bands, I used to write lyrics for some of are them. We, are we talking Preston Ordinary Boys, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sam's been on here. Yeah. So, oh, has he really? Yeah, yeah. So he, I don't know if I should even mention I'll find out after. But they made this song and he sent me this song. They were pitching to Panic at the Disco. It was fucking brilliant. And it sounded so much like Panic at the Disco. Yeah. And it was like such a chart song. And Preston sang it yeah. for the like pitch. It's fucking great. I was like, just release this, man. His voice sounds incredible on this. Last time I caught up with Preston, he went, he just moved back from Brighton. He'd moved to London again. And, and he went, I'm just working on this for like the Chainsmokers or something like that. And, and I, I, I don't really know who the Chainsmokers are, but I know mm. they're very popular with the kids. And, and he played me this record and I was like, 
fuck. Like, I mean, it couldn't been any further from the ordinary boys if he'd tried. And I mean, you yeah, think, yeah, yeah, right. Like, you know how to make great pop records. Oh, he like, knows how to write a chart topper. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. clearly got a great eye for it. As soon as he sent me that, I was like, yeah, it doesn't sound like the ordinary boys. Not their kind of vibe at all. Yeah, and I was just like. Oh, wow. Yeah, he just... Oh, God. I guess some people would have an ear for that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Track six. Favourite song from an artist from your home county? I think I'm going to have to pick one of the local bands that came up in the landfill indie era. Um, there was a band with... Which is all friends of mine, close friends of mine, uh, called The Dregs. And I was... I had a reputation, actually, for being obsessed with The Dregs. Um, because I would, I really liked their stuff and I would promote it whenever, wherever possible, MySpace probably, and go, oh, check out these guys, they're really good. Um, and then at the aforementioned festival that was put on by a friend of mine in, uh, just like in a park in Harpenden, they were playing and they were quite early on and there was a lot of people sort of like sat down and like it was quite spread out. And then I just went up to the front and started dancing to their stuff. And then people, they were like, come out, everyone come up to the front and dance like Reese. And then I think people were just like, oh, you're that guy who was fucking dancing on it. You know, when you're like, there's a great jo- comedian, John Mulaney's got that great line of like, um, you know, when you're 12 and you're like, if anyone looks at me, I'll kill myself. Uh, <laughs> which is so the experience of being 12. But this was like, I was like probably 16 now. And while I was not inwardly confident at all, outwardly, I was a bit uh, quite arrogant. So I sort of had to do these things. Like most arrogant people, you're actually massively insecure. I think I was putting on, I'd been putting on this thing for a while of like, whatever, I'm sick of feeling like if anyone looks at me, I'll kill myself. So I'm just fucking going for it. Whereas really I was dancing at the front going, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm the only person here. Please don't look at me. Oh God. And then when they were like, come to the front like Reese, I was like, don't say my name. There might've been people doubting who this was. There might be some people going, What's it? who's that? Is that Jack? But no, you've said, like, they literally said, come to the front, like, Reese James. And then I was just like, oh, God. But at the time I was like, yeah. And they were the, these boys were in the year above me at school. Um, close friends of mine now. They were friends of mine then, close friends of mine now. But they were called The Dregs. Their main song was called Casanova. But they got, I listened to some of their stuff yesterday. And my favorite one is called Rosie. This won't be available on Spotify, however. Okay. Okay. Um, it was like, these were like EPs in like a little CD case they would get made yeah. and you could buy. Um, I could probably send you this song. You could put okay. it, a bit of it in the podcast. Okay. Because yeah, there will be no rights issues. Yeah, perfect. Let's do that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. I figure this fiction you could be mine. It only happens half the time. Someone tell me that I'll feel this way again. I write this rock 37 days long. Turn around to find it's all gone. Will someone tell me that I'll feel this way again? You want something for the Spotify playlist? So there was lo- so where I was from is like where Enter Shikari came from. Um, so everyone was talking about Enter Shikari for ages, and then Sam Brennan, that guy, he was in the band called The Eyes of a Traitor, this big metal band who would like tour with loads of like arch- they opened for Architects for years and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, and like went on some cool European tours, like international tours and stuff. And then there was other bands called like Without Reason, Black Sheep, but then there was this one band who started, I think, in Hertfordshire called Haunts who are on Spotify, who were a big influence on my mates um, called The Dregs, who were just like, basically it was just like of that era of all these bands popping up, Haunts were this one where it was like, oh my God, it's the older boys from like another town who like have black hair and have one of those like thick earrings 
where it like stretches your ear and then he sings in this really deep cool voice and it was just like oh my god these guys are so cool and then my mates opened for them and became friends with them and then suddenly the influence they use a lot of cowbells i think and then suddenly cowbells started appearing in the dregs music <laughs> it was like cool great you're really influenced by this tell me and more about the haunts I, I i'm sure i've seen yeah them. they were they're cool yeah yeah they were like really cool quite different quite dark sounding music that was just like quite it was really like upbeat it wasn't you wouldn't call it landfill indie because it definitely had more to it than that um it was definitely on the darker side of that sort of stuff but they are on spotify so I would say Low Sung City Skyline by Haunts would right. be okay. favourite song from an artist of my county if you want it for the Spotify playlist. Yeah. They were just these cool guys, man. They were just like, they were definitely older than us, way older than us. They did really well for a while, I think. Yeah. I think they, they did, you know, they did a big tour. They had a proper album. All these bands I'm talking about, like my mates were in, were just like releasing little EPs yeah. and then just handing them out, selling them at like the two shows they would do a year. Yeah. Um, haunts were like an actual outfit so that's why they were quite inspirational to everyone yeah even though it's not like they came from one of our schools or anything it's just like they were relatively local yeah um but they oh, they were great and they were really to me at the time they felt very original i don't know if i would say that listening back yesterday <laughs> that they were that original <laughs> but just like wow this is really like a you know a twist on the format is what it felt like yeah. really taking the genre to a different place but it's like no 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 you've just only listened to razor light reese so <laughs> loads of people are taking this genre to a different place and you just haven't been there yet brilliant okay well race for your last song it's a song that many may not know that you would like mm. them to hear please um the song is don't let love pass me by by frankie avalon uh, now that's quite a weird choice. Maybe Frankie Avalon is like this. He was like this teen heartthrob from the fifties who was like in movies and was also this musician who released loads of albums. This song, don't let love pass me by is one of my favorite songs ever. I listen to it every day, uh, on the walk from my house to my venue, the last Edinburgh I did because I find it so insanely soothing and relaxing and i'm not one of those people i don't listen a lot of people listen to music a lot of comics listen to music before they do a show that's like gets them really up for it so they'll listen to like intense high energy songs or like um i saw some people say the other day they listen to the hamilton soundtrack and it's just like i'd find that mental listening to i'm not going to blow my shot yeah. when you're going to do 20 minutes to a bunch of pissed fucking stags and hens yeah but <laughs> this is my one opportunity <laughs> um but i don't Let Love Pass Me By is quite slow. It's quite soft. It's got that real 50s croonery voice vibe to it. Yeah. And it makes me so relaxed and so calm. And it just sort of, I find it really centering in a very specific way that's just like, oh, you know what? No, none of this. I, I like to, I don't like to feel like I've only got one shot and this is it. I like to feel like none of this matters. All of this is inconsequential. Um, and that really makes me feel like that. Uh, and I love it so much. It's a very staring out of a train window song. Frankie Avalon's Don't Let Love Pass Me By. Um, so, so Frankie Avalon, I guess a lot of people will probably know him from singing Beauty School Dropout in Greece. Sure. Well, that was Frankie Avalon, wasn't it? Um, I, I don't know. I presume yeah, so, yeah. It, yeah. I don't really know much more about Frankie Avalon other than he was in movies and yeah. uh, sang this song that I love. Yeah. He, he looked like a, a, a 50s rock and roll crooner type yeah. superstar how did you discover frankie avalon so my pre-show music 
I was talking to Phil Wang, actually, and we were doing a preview together. So I've always been obsessed with pre-show music and like what the vibe it creates is. And I always try and have everything match. I don't want it to be too mixed. So like there's been one year where I had loads of like um, really kind of cheesy pop songs for a while. And it was like a lot of them were like nine or like I had loads of 90s songs. I had like Steal My Sunshine and just like loads of songs like that in one playlist. And that's when I had loads of material like being a 90s kid that year. Mm. And there's others where it's just like really specific type of it was like slow indie stuff like where you can't really hear the vocals like real estate, for example. Yeah. And bands like that. Um summer camp and stuff like that where you can't really hear what they're saying because i was just like i don't want anyone any words in anyone's head yeah. but i don't want instrumentals nice shout so out that, to summer camp there by the way i've, I've not heard of them for a long time i'm gonna go yeah i love that, that, that was like 2014 is the year i used them i love mm. summer camp great yeah. um but yeah so i think summer camp and summer camp and the band tennis got me through mm. my dissertation i just listened to them on repeat while writing a dissertation about politics uh but <laughs> yeah they so it's like that I like I'd always like to have an e- a certain energy for it, but chatting to Phil and Phil had all this very certain type of like Chinese music before just and he used it for a preview. So we were just doing these previews together, just a work in progress. I went on first and then there was an interval and then in the interval, Phil's music came on. He was on next. And I was like, oh, wow, I've never heard anyone use this for a preview before. And he was like, yeah, just, you know, it's just good to create an energy that you're walking into that is yours rather than just like, I'll use the venues music, which would just be Arctic Monkeys and all that sort of stuff. But no, 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 this is where immediately, as soon as this begins, you know, I'm a Phil Wang show. And I was like, oh yeah, Tim Key does it really well. We use loads of Russian music and you just go like, oh right, no one else does this. So my playlist this year was just all this um, 50s and 60s music like Frankie Avalon. Frankie Avalon, Don't Let Love Pass Me By is too slow. Um, and I don't want to ruin it. But um, it was all stuff like that. So it was all like, uh, is it Sue Thomas? Like Norman and like songs like Oh Carol by Neil Sedakis and like all these mad old... Um, just, yeah, just stuff like that. Like uh, Please Mr. Postman, I think, is in there. Yeah. Just like loads of really... So every song that comes on is like 50s. A lot of them intentionally are... I picked loads of songs that just have an old name in them. So like Belinda, a song would just be called Belinda or something like that. And just like Old yeah. Beryl and just like all these <laughs> old songs that are just Fuck like... Fuck off, is there a song called um, Old Beryl? <laughs> <laughs> old Carol is definitely one. Maybe Old Beryl's not. Um, Palisades Park is one of the best ones. Palisades Park is so upbeat and so fun. Yeah. Um but on all the lyrics are mad. So, I mean, some of the lyrics are unacceptable. I tried to get rid of any that are just like, she's almost 16. Oh, uh, there's a lot I mean, of that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Stop messing around with Gary Puckett, yeah. young girl, you're in troubled territory. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. So I tried to use ones that are just like, um, oh my God, we're holding hands and I'm on a Ferris wheel and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I just, and I've always loved that. I always loved swing anyway. And the lyrics of like, the Rat Pack lyrics. Just, I don't think people realise, maybe they do, I don't think people in my generation realise what those lyrics are and, and what poetry some of them, even like Fly Me to the Moon, the lyrics of Fly Me to the Moon are absolutely the best poem in the yeah. world. They're amazing, but people don't really listen. Yeah. People of my age, maybe. Maybe I'm not giving anyone any credit, but I love these 50s songs. And so I just made that the energy that I would walk into because I was just like, everyone else's playlist before their show is Lizzo. Because it's really upbeat or it's yeah. like um, Pharrell happy yeah. because then you're just like in this energy or it's I bet you look good on the dance floor and stuff like that. But I was like, no, 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 I'm going to use this stuff 
I don't know. I, I was sort of like also changing my act a little bit last year that I had this semi old school slickness to it. And I was trying to embrace this sort of like how slick this show was and how kind of retro that is to be that slick by doing, I don't think that anyone would have made that connection at all, but that's why I was trying to create this energy and then be that energy during the show. Yeah. And that's how I found um, on Spotify has got this great thing where if you start making a playlist, it sort of suggests the rest of the playlist to you. Yeah. And so loads of the songs I just found from that, just clicking on them going, Oh, that'd be good. That'd be good. And this would have been one of them. And then I heard it and was just like, Oh, as soon as you hear that, as soon as I hear the start of it, it's like I'm in a bath. I'm just so calm immediately. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it's great. Frankie Avalon, Don't Let Love Pass Me By. Amazing song. Wonderful. Um, Reese, as we find ourselves, hopefully, you know, eking our way out of some sort of lockdown situation, back to some weird normality, whatever that's going to be, um, what are you most looking forward to um, professionally and personally? Hmm. Interesting. Well, professionally... Um, I don't know if I'm looking forward to this because this hasn't happened. This isn't definitely happening, but I, uh, I'm, I'm going to write a book, I think. Okay. Um, and I've always wanted to do that for longer than I've wanted to be a comedian. I've wanted to write a book. I do not at the time of recording this have a book deal. Right. (laughs) So I'm not saying that like I'm currently writing a book that is not news, but I'm going to do one anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I'd be really looking forward to actually sitting down and doing that. Also, Mock the Week's coming back really soon. And I yep. like doing that. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it because there's not going to be an audience. But, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll find our feet and it'll be really fun. It's always really fun doing that. So I'm looking forward to doing that and just like going back to doing it, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, personally, all I care about is uh, getting better at tennis for right. no reason. There's no point. <laughs> But I, I keep buying new expensive tennis rackets, even though I'm rubbish at tennis. And uh, I'm just, I'm playing tennis in about an hour. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> How bleak is that? That's the one thing personally. Oh, I tell you what, um, Tottenham Hotspur are going to win the league this year, I think. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, wonderful. Um, <laughs> well, look, we'll put all of these tracks uh, on Spotify, um, all of the ones you've chosen and all of the honourable mentions and, and, and the ones we've also had a natter about. Um Reese, thanks so much for this today. It's been a real joy chatting records with you. Thank you. Yeah, I've loved it. This is great fun. Brilliant. Thanks loads, Reese. There you go. Wonderful chat. Uh, had a real good laugh there chatting to Reese. Um, it's always nice to explore um, new metal. I mean, I'm going to change my my email address to uh, SW Lincoln Park um, uh, at Hotmail dot com now so drop us a message um and let us know who you'd like to see me chat to on this podcast next um but seriously thanks ever so much um to reese for giving up his time thanks massively to you lot um for supporting this podcast listening um liking when you see us on the social medias giving us a like share retweet and all of that malarkey um and like i say if this is your first time listening go and have a look in the archives because there's about 180 episodes now with um a load of your famous comedians, actors, musicians, DJs, producers. So go and uh, have a rummage and see what's over there that you like. Um, As mentioned at the beginning as well, you can find out about everything you need to know at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm back next time. Stay safe, lovely people. See you soon. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com.
sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping. Hey,